This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And due to both shows being a little long tonight, I'll have to forego any comments except to say, enjoy the show. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. Tonight, Hallucination Orbit by J.T. McIntosh. Mr. Chaka. Sir? Stand by to release pickup rocket. Yes, sir. We'll break orbit in eight hours. Have damage control. Pull the rods on the number three pile. Check leakage. Yes, sir. Try and have the locks cleared of all unessential personnel when that pickup rocket comes back. There's no point in making trouble. I understand, sir. Pickup rocket away, sir. Very well. Take over, Mr. Chaka. I will be in my quarters if I'm wanted. Well, now then, Mr. Danbury, make yourself comfortable. I thank you, Captain. You care for a drink? Scotch in that bowl, bourbon in the other. No, thank you. I can't get quite used to squirting liquor from a rubber bulb as if I were oiling and daring. Well, you'd have a devil of a time pouring from a bottle in free fall. Well, how are you enjoying your trip? It's very interesting. It's very nice of you to give me a lift. You know... It would have been eight months before another ship came along. Oh, a lot more than that, with the main Pluto Dean station out. Probably eight years. Really? That long? I thought the whole run to Pluto was under 18 months. Yes, it is, when the beam is running. You see, Mr. Danbury, we left Earth 27 days after the beam broadcast from Pluto station broke. 
We've been spaceborne close to six years. I suppose that's why you're on orbit around this planet, picking up supplies or something, eh? Oh, well. This is a standard pickup for the space beam service. We sent a rocket down to take off a man who's been the only inhabitant of this planet for a little over two years. Well, I expect he'll be glad to see you. Well, there's no telling. <laughs> I know I would. After two years of duty, Mr. Danbury, you might not know anything. Oh, psychiatric troubles? Solitosis. It's from the Latin, solace, alone. Is that uh, much of a problem? Only in space. Here, look. Mm. Ah, look through that port. Seems empty. It is. It's empty of horizon, sky, sunlight, ground. It's empty of time. It's empty of people. You can't live in it too long without something happening. I see. But surely people have been alone before spaceflight. Oh, yes, but they have been on the same world with other people. And that seems to make a difference. You take a hermit on Earth, he may spend his life trying to escape civilization. Put him on a deserted world, he turns psychotic. Is there a cure? Oh, sure. Put him back with people. At least about 40 people. That seems to be the critical number. See, I have 48 in this ship's complement. I could run her with about 18. But if I tried to, I'd have psychos on my hands six months after blast-off. But then every one of these men on the beam stations, they're all alone, aren't they? That's right. Well, then they must get it. They do. It wouldn't pay to leave more than 40 men on a space station. And less than 40 is too dangerous. Solitosis can be homicidal. So they leave one man. But he gets it all right. But you can snap him out of it just by taking him back to Earth. That's why I like to have as few people as possible around when the pickup ship comes back. It can be pretty unpleasant. Well, what are they like? How does it affect them? Well, so far, I have picked up about 28 space station officers. I've seen 28 different sets of symptoms. I wouldn't want the job of getting those guys out of their stations and into that pickup rocket. Captain here. Pickup rocket. Signaling, sir. All right, Mr. Chopper. Prepare to receive the pickup. Alert the psychiatric staff, and I'll be right there. Uh, would you care to see them bring him in, Mr. Danbury? You're welcome, if you have a strong stomach. I don't think so, thank you. All right. Mr. Chaka, as soon as the rocket is secured, make a trajectory for the next station. Yes, sir. That's Pluto Station 3. Carry on. Oh. Pluto Station 3. That will be a hummy of a job. He has been on that lump of rock all by himself for close to six and a half years. Pluto Station 3, Daily Report, Colin Ord, Space Officer. Everything is in fine shape. Through my port, I can see Mars, Earth, Saturn, Mercury. <laughs> ah, that little devil, he's hiding behind the sun. He's been quite furtive lately. Why I'm required to record this report every day escapes me, because it's quite obvious to any empty-headed brass hat at the central office that not a word of this has been worth the tape it's been recorded on for the last five and a half years. But if it amuses you gentlemen to hear me wander, after all, you are paying for the tape. 
Oh, which gives me a fine thought. I'm going to set the pickups through the whole station and leave the tape running. That'll give you a daily report all day, so keep on listening. Right now, I have the distinct impression that Earth is winking at me. A rather suggestive, lewd wink. It helps to see the planets, doesn't it? Hmm? Oh, I... I thought you were reading. I was. You know, if you hadn't been able to see the planets, you would have been a straitjacket case long ago. Well, who knows I'm not one now. You don't, anyway. Well, I think that so long as you talk sanely about madness, you can't be so far gone. It's out there somewhere, isn't it? The rescue ship. Somewhere. How long now, Colin? Where could they be now if they started whenever the beam failed? I haven't worked it out since the last time you asked, but they could be very close. If the beam hadn't failed, they would have been here long ago, wouldn't they? Oh, sure. Eleven months with the beam, over six years without it. Well, anyway, that triple time six years' pay adds up to quite a pile. <laughs> You'll be set up for life when you get back to Earth, won't you? And at 29... I'll be rotten with money. Oh, well. It's been nice knowing you. That's because of the others before you. I've learned a lot. Never talk of the others. And above all, never talk of any others to come. I'm sorry. Would you like to play chess? It's a long time since we did. I don't think so. Not anymore. I'm a little tired of chess. Oh, I know. I know. I understand. I won't bother you. I'll go to my room, Colin. Well, don't get upset. I'm not. I understand. You're just tired of chess. You still listening, gentlemen? That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? I'm afraid you can't hear her on the tape. That's Una. I'll tell you what she looks like. You might find it interesting. She's beautiful, but rather cool. She always wears a white shirt and sharp, creased green slacks. She's got a good figure, but in a calm sort of way. She plays a good game of chess, although I beat her two out of three times. Of course, you know why you can't hear her on the tape. But I still know, too. That's a point in my favor, isn't it? That brings up an interesting question, gentlemen, because... I'm tired of Una. I'm beginning to find her a long, cool, slightly unappealing bore. My problem is how to get rid of her. I can't just tell her to vanish. She's a little too real for that. I dreamed up a ship to bring her. I'll have to find another to take her away. Well, I might as well get to it. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to bother about the ship. It's too much mental effort. I'd have to think up everything I saw, and frankly, gentlemen, I'm... I'm too tired. Maybe she'll take the hint. A lot of them did. Susie did. And Alice. Oh. I remember Margie. There was a girl. A load of bricks had to fall on her head. Took me four weeks to get rid of her. No. 
let Una figure her own way to get off the station. She's gone. I thought she might. The ship's gone, too. Well, all in all, I don't think Una was really very satisfactory. One of these days, I'll start believing in them, and I'll be really gone. Well, if I activate the main screens now, I'll see a ship coming in to land pretty soon. Every once in a while, I have a thought that when the ship really comes... I'll think it's make-believe. Yes, there it is. A small ship curving in for landing. I suppose I could check on the detectors. I know they register anybody within 100,000 miles, but I don't bother checking them anymore because someday the moment will come when I check the detectors. And I'll see just what I want to see. Well, the ship's coming in for a landing now. I'll go out to meet it. I'm rather interested to find out what the explanation will be for the girl. Naturally, it will be a girl. It's all right. You can take your helmet off. The air's all right in here. Oh, good heavens, no. Baker was before me here. You can't be one of his dreams seven years late. I'm Ord, Colin Ord. Before we go any further, just how does solitosis affect you? Well, that's new. None of them ever asked that before. It makes me see things that aren't there. And you know there's nothing there? Hmm, sometimes. Do you know I'm here? I'm making a point of not wondering about it. Well, one thing you can be sure of. This. Do you see this? This is a gun. I just want you to know I'm not heaven's little gift to lonely space station officers. Is that clear? Oh, yes. Yes. What's your name? Elsa Cotterline. You want to know why I'm here, of course. Not particularly. What? Well, that's always the weakest part of the story. I don't like to press it. Why don't you, uh... Take off your space suit. I'll tell you why, just the same. I killed a man. Why and how doesn't matter. I had access to an experimental ship. I thought if I disappeared for about two years... Oh, please don't labor over it. I'm not asking questions. Why not? Well, when we get around to it, I would be interested in the story you can concoct for being dressed like the cover of a magazine story in rather minimal clothing. It's been years since I thought of anything like that. You must be a throwback. What are you talking about? You know, you're going to have a tough time with that gun when you get tired of holding it. It's a heavy gun. How long do you think it'll be before I take it from you? After all, you have to sleep. There's no door in the station you can lock that I can't get in. I know. I just wanted to make sure you weren't violent. I think I can get on with you, Ort. Yes, yes, I see. The question is, my dear, whether you're real or not. Well, don't I look real? Oh, yes, but that doesn't prove anything. As a matter of fact, the realer you look, the worse off I might be. 
But then there still is the remote possibility that you might actually have killed someone and decided to hide out on a space station. Shall I tell you something else, Elsa? What? I'm suddenly tired of the whole business. Breathe there a man with soul so dead, I'm sure you know the rest of it. I would suddenly like to have enough people around me so that I could be sane. I would like to find women as part of life instead of having them pop up here from the depths of my rather pornographic subconscious. Ah, but you've shaken me, Elsa. Twenty-four hours ago, I was congratulating myself that solitosis hadn't really gotten me. But now I don't know. Just don't try anything funny. Or you'll find out whether I'm real. The hard way. Any way is the hard way. First, I'll go out and have a look at your ship. no use. Oh, you're a good shot. You got me right between the eyes, but I couldn't feel a thing. I can't let myself be shot. Now, can I give that to me? There. Now, remember, if you shoot me, nothing happens. But if I shoot you, you die. Do you know that? Yes, I know that. I'll give you about 20 minutes to get that overstuffed figure back into that spacesuit and get off my planet. Frankly, I'm getting tired of hallucinations. Tired. Give me back my gun. No, no, no. I'll keep that. After a while, I'll put it in a drawer. It'll stay there until I forget it. Then there won't be any gun anymore. From now on, my overblown figment, there will be no more Elsas or Susies or Margies. I am not going to give in to solitosis. Maybe. Maybe I'll bring Una back. At least she could play chess. Pluto Station 3, Daily Report, Colin Ord, Space Officer. Gentlemen, 
I have successfully fought off salatosis for two days, and I have been alone. However, I'm afraid I'll lose as I watch my main scope now. I see a ship coming in again. I wonder what this one will be like. It's a launch from a larger spaceship. Maybe a lifeboat. Dorothy came in a lifeboat. I wonder what this one will be like. I've got to find out when she comes whether she's real. That's the key. As long as I know if she's real. When I don't care anymore, that's when it's really got me. The ship's down now. There she comes out of the airlock. I've got to find out whether she's real. Colin Ord. That's right. I'm Dr. Lynn of Four Star Line. Marilyn Lynn. Oh, oh very pretty. You're going to tell me your story now, or do I have to wait? I'm not going to tell you anything till I've found out a little more about you. Well, you're an improvement on the last one. At least you're young and beautiful, and you're not fantastic, and you look intelligent. What do you mean? Don't worry about me. I see things that aren't there, particularly people. Oh, so you don't believe I'm here. Would you, if you were me? Do you know I'm not here? No, that comes with time. At least it always has so far. You mean you've always proved to yourself that your visitors were mere fantasy? With a struggle. Interesting. Controlled solitosis. I never heard of it before. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Ord. No, no, that doesn't make you real. They all say that. Why should I want to make you accept me as real? I don't know. But they all do. When will you know? Oh, I can't say. Maybe in five minutes. Maybe not for hours. How do you do it? You don't shoot me to see if I die or anything like that, do you? No, nothing like that. If I shoot you, you do die like the witches in history. They'd die if they were, and they'd die if they weren't. Your mind has remained agile enough. Naturally. I never heard of solitosis inhibiting intelligence. Would you like some coffee? Is that part of the test? Whether more coffee is actually drunk than you drink yourself? No, no, that doesn't help. It would be very easy for me to make half what I thought I made, to fill a cup with nothing and pass it back. <laughs> you look afraid. Why should I be? What am I doing? Am I doing something I don't know I'm doing? No. Would you like me to wash the cups for you when we're done? That won't prove anything. Next time they were used, I could just imagine they were washed, couldn't I? Where are you going? To find out if you're real. My ship. Go ahead. Good luck. <laughs> What's she afraid about? Something I said. None of the others were really afraid of me. Oh, I can't tell yet. Nothing's happened. The meters all read 15 pounds to the square inch air pressure, but that's no good. I can't tell if I'm reading them at all. Oh. Well, the wall's solid enough. My hand hurts. That doesn't prove anything. Supposing I open my faceplate. If there's no ship and no air... All right, my faceplate's open. 
I'm breathing air. Then again, on the other hand, my faceplate may still be closed. Maybe I only think it's open. I can't tell. I can't tell that she isn't real. It means it's finally gotten me. It gets everyone. I don't really know if anything's real, if I'm real, if this space station is real, the planet, the universe, the galaxy. Maybe all life is in my mind. I think. Therefore, I am. Yes, I remember that from school. Oh, I'm tired. I've got to get back to the station. Very tired. Close my faceplate. If I ever opened it. Get back to the station. Got a headache. Terrible headache. I'm very tired. Are you all right now? Here, drink this. Mm. What happened? You came in the station lock and passed out. How... How long have I been out? About 24 hours. You're a very sick man, Mr. Ward. <laughs> Reality. Very important thing, isn't it? It's the most important thing there is to learn. Merely to you. Solitosis naturally affects what matters most to the individual, but we needn't talk about that. But I know now. You're not real. You can't be, even though I feel you are. How did you decide that? I couldn't prove you weren't, not on your ship. I'm too far gone to figure out any test that'll work. But if you are real, then how did you avoid solitosis? The only way there is. There are 48 men and women in the relief ship that's in orbit around your planet right now. I came down in the pickup rocket. We have well above the critical number of people. I keep rational by knowing they're up there in the orbit, and as soon as I'm ready, I'll take you back up there. Well, I suppose I can wait. I don't really care if you're real or not anymore. I know. It'll take a long while before you care. You sound sad. What's the matter? It's the way you look at me. What do you mean? What do you see when you look at me? Well, you're strong. Sort of quietly beautiful. About my age... You're wearing a tunic and slacks, and you don't have a wedding ring. I noticed that. That's what I thought you saw. I'm real, but not your picture of me. I'm a doctor, Mr. Ord. All first contacts with station officers are made by trained psychiatrists. I'm a doctor. And I was a girl once. But that was 40 years ago. I'm 66. You can't be. Oh, yes. It was very nice to be a girl again. I could see myself in your eyes and I almost felt young again. As I grow old in the next few weeks, Mr. Ord, you will be recovering. That will show you how your case is progressing. When you see me as I really am, You'll be all right. Assuming you're real, Marilyn. 
really must take something to come down alone to see one of us. I think I see you now as you really are. Yes, Mr. Chocker. Pick up rocket all secured from Pluto number three. Hmm? How is the poor fellow? Good as can be expected. He came on board with Dr. Lynn. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, these guys throw me. There he was holding her hand, looking in her eyes like he was in love with her. And you know what a dried up old bat she is? Yes, I know. All right, Mr. Chocker. Prepare to blast off. by transcription. X-1 has brought you Hallucination Orbit, a story written by J.T. McIntosh and adapted for radio by Ernest Kenoy. tuned for Life with Luigi, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to join that little immigrant from Italy to write to his mama and tell her how he's getting along in his new home in Chicago. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carroll Nash, with Alan Reed. A year ago, when Luigi Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Basco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, in America is a big business, magazines. Wonderful thing about American magazines, they're full of advertisements. And the advertisements I like the most are the ones that tell you how to make a lot of money easy. They say, become rich overnight. Grow mushrooms in your cell. <laughs> become rich overnight. Make Indian bead rings. Become rich overnight. Learn the meat cutting in your own living room. <laughs> Mamma mia, if I could only stay up for three nights. I make a fortune. <laughs> but there's another advertisement that says make a hundred dollars a week, become a secretary stenographer. Then I read them all and I see it's no good for me. It's only for somebody who's got a short hand. <laughs> <laughs> this 
these are things that sound very good to Mamma Mia. But if you're not smart, like your Luigi, is it possible to get a fool? Like one advertisement I see that says, We pay you big money. Right to box at 22. Mamma Mia, how can this company have money if they got office in a box? <laughs> Most foolish advertisement I see is the one that says, We give you pants one third off. <laughs> Mamma Mia, isn't that a stupid? How am I going to look walking in a straight to where my pants are one third off? <laughs> All the stories I that say, learn about your telephone company. Mamma Mia, there's a plenty to learn. This morning, I'm going to receive a bill from a phone company that's charging me for longer distance calls to California that I'm going to never make. I always try to conduct the business honest. So this is worrying me very much. So I go to my night school teacher, Miss Spaulding, and maybe she can explain why. All right, all right, all right. Quiet class. I'll call the roll. Basco. I'm a hip. Horowitz. Yeah. Olsen. Go, oh, I'm half. Schultz. Schultz, you're here, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not squealing. You like that show, yeah? Oh, I should be a sensation in television. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. You are very funny, and it is not necessary to dip your finger in the inkwell. Now, class, our lesson for today is English. What is it, Mr. Basco? Why are you raising your hand? Miss Farthing, I got a problem. Today, I'm going to receive a telephone bill with a charge for call to California I never make. Well, Mr. Basco, I'll help you with your phone problem later if you don't mind staying after class with me. Well, I'm... I'm... I should say Saturday. I'm a glad to stay, Miss Paul. Luigi is the DJ of pet. <laughs> now, class, class. I enjoy a good laugh as well as anyone, but we must get on to our studies. Now for our English lesson. Now, who will volunteer to conjugate the verb to see? Well, who will volunteer? No volunteers? Looks like somebody's going to have to be drafted. <laughs> well, I'll have to call on somebody. Mr. Olsen. Uh, yeah, all right, I volunteer. <clears throat> I conjugate the, the, the verb to see. See? Uh, so. See, so. See, so. Olsen, stop already. You're making me dizzy. Mr. Schultz, you are disrupting the class. Now, let me hear you conjugate see. I see, you see, he see, she see, we see, you see, they see. Schultz, that's good. Good, that's perfect. Yes, it is at that. To tell you the truth was a lucky guess. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, who will conjugate the verb using a subject? Uh, like Mary. Uh, Mr. Spalding, I try. Go ahead, Mr. Basco. I see Mary, you see Mary, he sees Mary, she sees Mary, we see Mary, you see Mary, they see Mary. Mary should pull down her window shades. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, please. That was very good, Mr. Basco. Now, could you conjugate a verb of your own? Sure. I take a verb to pay. Fine. 
Do you pay telephone company? He pay telephone company. Now, wait a minute. You left out I pay telephone company. I'm a no pay. I never make that company. Well, I can see we'll have to settle that problem now. Now, Mr. Basco, why don't you go down to the phone company and explain things to them? They're very fair, and if they're wrong, you won't have to pay. I don't have to pay? Thank you, Miss Pausing. Wait, wait for me. Oh, you walk so fast. <laughs> look, look at me. My tongue is hanging out like a cooker spaniel. <laughs> Luigi, my friend, I got to talk to you. Oh, what's the matter, Schultz? Don't go to the phone company. Why not? A terrible thing happened to my cousin Hugo. Oh. You know, he once got at a big telephone bill. He tried to argue with the telephone company. He got them mad, and they made him pay it anyway. <laughs> They made him a pay? Yeah, yeah, but for the last ten years, he's been getting even with them. How? Every time the telephone rings, he don't answer. <laughs> but Schultz, if I don't go to the telephone company, what am I going to do? Luigi, in my head, an idea just pooped. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you go to your friend, Alderman Johnson? Let him investigate it for you. That's right, the Schultz. Alderman Johnson, he's always a try to help me. I got him right now. Thanks, the Schultz. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Luigi. And remember, smile. What if you do get into trouble with the telephone company? What can they do? Can they hang you? Can they shoot you? Can they throw you in jail? Schultz, can they? How should I know? Am I a lawyer? <laughs> Hello, Mr. Alderman Johnson. You remember me? Why, of course. You're the serviceman for Culligan Saltwater Service. Well, you certainly took your time coming. But I'm going to have to... No, no, no. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I know every voter in my district. You're, uh... Um, uh... Well, don't stand there. Give me a hint. You ever hear of a Luigi Basco? I certainly, certainly. Great friend of mine. Nothing he wouldn't do for me. Ah, broke my heart the day he left for France. (laughs) I'm a Luigi Basco. Oh. Well, how was the trip? I never went. <laughs> Mr. Alderman Johnson, you know me. I'm Luigi Basco. I own a ticket shop on Holstead Street. Oh, certainly, certainly. Now, Mr. Basco, what did you want to see me about? It's about telephone bills. This morning, it's say, I'm going to make a longer distance call to California, and I'm going to never make it. I see. And you don't want to pay the telephone company. Oh, don't say that. I'm always trying to be good American. I'm obey every law. Sign in the street to say, speed the limit, 25 miles an hour. I'm a never walker faster than a 25. <laughs> Sign in a zoo. Say, don't feed the monkey peanut. I'm a never feed the monkey peanut. I give him popcorn. <laughs> Sign is all over, say. Not trespassing. Believe me, Mr. Alderman. I'm a hero one a year, and I'm never passing a trend. Vasco, I know your problem. Now, you think the phone company's made an error, and you're a little afraid of it. That's right, Mr. Alderman. Phone company's so big, and 
And Luigi Bosco, he's a solid. Why, Bosco, you're as big as the telephone company. It's because the little people run America. How you don't have to worry about a thing. I take care of all my voters. I'll get on the phone right now and straighten it out for you. Uh, give me your bill, Bosco. I only deal with the people on top. Hello, operator. Uh, let me talk to the president. Just tell him it's Alderman Johnson. All right. All right, then give me the vice president. Well, uh, how about the district supervisor? I see. Is the uh, chief operator in? No. Well, who? All right, give me that party. Hello. Information. Who do I speak to about paying a bill? <laughs> Mr. Alderman, maybe it's too much trouble for you. I go myself. No, no, no. You leave it to me, Vasco. Hello, complete department. This is Alderman Johnson. I'm talking for a constituent of mine. What do you mean by charging him for a long-distance call he never made? You've got your nerve. What? It's Luigi Vasco, Sedgwick 39895. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Well, Vasco, you'll never have any trouble with the company again. I won't? No. They're taking out your phone tomorrow. <laughs> My friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, Pasquale. What's the matter, Luigi? Why are you so sad, my little man? You look like a little puppy with his tail between his ears. <laughs> Pasquale, it's a long story. This morning, I'm going to receive a wrong bill from telephone company. I ask him a spalling. She's a say, go to company. Schultz is to say, go to Alderman. I go to Alderman, and he's to make even worse. Sure, she'll go to everybody but your best friend of Pasquale, and what's happening? Nothing. <laughs> Why are you running around like a crazy little squirrel looking for food when all the time you could have come straight to the nuts? <laughs> You're so right, Pasquale. Nobody's a bigger nut than you. <laughs> That's a funny thing. When I'm a say it, it's a sound of death Pasquale, <laughs> I'm in a trouble, and I'm a coming to ask you for favor. Phone company is going to take a phone out of my store tomorrow. Luigi, why you have it to worry when you've got a good friend like Pasquale who's to bring you from all the country? You don't need a telephone. You can use a mine. Is there no trouble, Pasquale? What a trouble. It's a pleasure. Every time there's a phone a ring, I call you. Thank you, Pasquale. You real a friend. Sure. Now, I do you a favor with a ring? You do me a favor with a ring. <laughs> Pasquale, what's the favor I can do you with a ring? Slip it out of my daughter Rose's finger. No, no, Pasquale. I'm not going to play a ring around the rose. <laughs> it's no use, Pasquale. Rose is a nice girl, lovely girl. But she's a too fat for me. Luigi. You call it 250 pounds of fat? What do you call it? I ask you first. <laughs> Pasquale, we just waste time of talking. I'm not going to marry Russia. All right, you big stupid fool. Just because of a little thing like marrying my Rosie, you're going to lose your telephone. Pasquale, I'm not going to need your help. Maybe it's better I go myself at the telephone company and find out why they charge me for this call to California. California? 
Wait, Luigi, don't be so impatient. I changed my mind. I'm going to help you. Then you're not angry with me, Pasquale? No. Hey, Luigi, you give me a telephone bill, go take a walk, and I'm going to fix everything up with a phone company. Pasquale, why you do this? Because Pasquale to love you like a... Don't say it. All right. You go for a walk, Luigi, my friend. I'm your countryman. I'm going to take care of everything. Thank you, Pasquale. You're welcome, Luigi. Abro Figaro, bravo, bravissima, abro Figaro, bravo, bravissima, fortunatissima, fortunatissima, fortunatissima. Hello? Operator? Uh, give me the chief supervisor. Hello, chief supervisor? And this is a very good friend of Luigi Basco, 21 North Holstead Street, telephone number Sedgwick, 398 I'm understanding you want to take out his telephone next week. I think it's very bad of you to take a man's business away. It's a bread and a butter. Huh? What's a Bosco's business? He's a bookie. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Vasco's adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. And so, Mamma Mia, is a big trouble with me. I don't know what the Pasquales do to help me with a telephone company. All I know is, this morning, man has come in, asking me to put two dollars on a nose. Soon as I'm a put it under my nose, he's a disconnected the telephone. <laughs> and the mama mia, when a man is a loses a telephone, it's no use talking. Anyway, I'm a sitting in my store wondering what I should do next. When I suddenly open up the door and a big wind comes in. Luigi, my friend. Hello, Luigi. Hello, hello. Hello, Pasquale. Hey, Luigi, you mind if I'm using your telephone? Thank you. Hello, operator. Operator. Hey, Luigi, you got a funny kind of operator. She's a no talk. <laughs> Must be Johnny Belinda. <laughs> Pasquale, phone company has a disconnect to my phone. What? After I'm to say such good things about you? Pasquale, just what is it that you say about me? Why, I'm a praise of you, Luigi. I'm a telling my Luigi is a man uh, who knows his oats, sir. Also, she got a very uh, stable uh, character. <laughs> well, thank you, Pasquale, but it's a very strange to me. I don't can understand what's happening between me and the phone company. Hello, Luigi. Hello, Pasquale. Hello, Schultz. Hello, Schultz. <laughs> Luigi, how you make it out with the telephone company? Schultz, sir, uh, I'm got lots of trouble. My phone died. <laughs> Smile, Luigi. If you ever want to get a message to California, I'm going to lend you a carrier pigeon. Smart, Alec, a delicatessen a man of Schultz. How's a little bird like a pigeon going to carry Luigi to California? He carry him pigeon back. What's a good one on you, Bushkamai? You don't know what he's talking about. Well, man, Schultz. Listen, Schultz and Pasquale, no fight, no fight. 
I'm in a trap. Why don't you go straight to the telephone company, tell them your story, and let them straighten out the whole thing. Don't go, Luigi. Go. Don't go. Go. Don't go. How do you like that? They went. <laughs> Bell Telephone Company. Mamma mia, it's a big building. Oh, here's a sign on the side of the building. It says, uh, Bell Telephone Company, established 1878. <laughs> Poor Mr. Bell, he was stabbed in 1878. <laughs> No, no, I, I must be wrong. A stab, eight, one, eight, seven, eight. That's uh, the telephone number. <laughs> well, Luigi Bascona, don't be so nervous. Like all the men say, America is on the side of a little man. And I'm a little man. Well, I'm going inside and find out what's with the telephone called to California. Excuse me, lady, please. I'm coming here about call to California. This is a Bell Telephone Company, no? Yes. I'm like to speak to Mr. Bell. Mr. Bell is dead. All right, I wait. <laughs> and you don't understand, sir. Mr. Bell is no longer with us. That's not the nice. A man has spent his whole life inventing telephone. Now he's a get a fired. <laughs> But he's dead. Oh. Then maybe I speak to Mrs. Bell. Mrs. Bell is not here either. Mr. Bell is not here. Mrs. Bell is not here. Who's the watch of the business? <laughs> Sir, I'm really not qualified to answer all your questions. Why don't you go see the head operator? Head operator? Yes, two flights up, first door to the right. Thank you, lady. Mamma mia, I'm learning something every day. Just now, I find out there's two kinds of operators. With the head and without the head. I'm trying to explain to you, Mr. Basco. The company is actually owned by five million shareholders. Five million? That's right. And when the profits are added up, they divide every nickel. Mamma mia. When they get through with that nickel, it must be in a terrible shape. <laughs> Mr. Basco... For two and a half hours, I've tried to explain. I've... I've... Mr. Basco, why don't you go see a vice president? Mr. Basco, this is unprecedented. You've disrupted our entire organization. I'm a sorry, Mr. Vice President. But do you think it's nice for Chicago Telephone Company to be mad at me? Even when the two people is mad. They talk once in a while. All right, you don't ring my phone no more. At the least, maybe once a day you should have given me a little tinkle. <laughs> the telephone company is not angry with you. Then why the telephone company is disconnecting my phone? Just because I'm never make a call to California. Mr. Vasco, really, you must have made that call. Our company never makes a mistake. Now, do you realize what happens every time you pick up your phone? A thin plate of soft iron, called a diaphragm, vibrates to your sound wave. Oh. Now, this in turn affects a tiny magnet 
and is electrically transmitted, causing the diaphragm to vibrate. Oh. Then what do you think happens when the two metallic contacts are made? Oh, no. Well, the operator says a deposit another five cents. To no! <laughs> An automatic record is immediately stamped on a card bearing your phone number. Now, Mr. Vasco, we never make mistakes. Then there must be something wrong with the way telephone company advertises. What do you mean? All the papers is a show picture of a lady with a telephone, and she's a saying, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, that is a picture. I know it's a picture, but if you never make a mistake, you should show a picture of a lady, and she's a saying, I'm happy, write the number. <laughs> Mr. Vasco, listen to me. We are very patient here at the telephone company, but facts are facts. You made this call to California, therefore you must pay for it. Now, to prove to you just how right we are and how patient we are, I'll double-check your file. Believe me, sir, I've been a vice president of the telephone company for 20 years. Nothing goes wrong here. I'll now call our filing department. Hello? Hello? How do you like that? The phone is dead. <laughs> My friend, hello, my little man. You find out about that call to California? Pasquale, it was the worst day in my life that I ever went there. I'm gonna make so much of trouble, a vice president is a throw me out. Vice president? Oh, Luigi, that's terrible. Why? Vice president's a very big man in this country. He's gonna report you. And you know what comes after report? Deport. <laughs> And that's going to be the story of your life. Four words. Import, report, deport, export. Oh, Pasquale. I'm wanting so much to stay in America. Help me. I'm sorry, Luigi. I'm like very much to help you, but I'm a note of facts. I must testify in the court against you. But, Pasquale, why you must testify against me? Oh, it's a big law here. It's called uh, habeas corpus. <laughs> uh, and even if I'm no testifier, my Rosa, she's still got to testify because uh, she's living next door. Pasquale, help me. Is there nothing I can do? Nothing. Wait. <laughs> I'm just to remember. It's another big law. Wife, and not get to testify against the husband. But you're not my wife, Pasquale. <laughs> no, but I know a certain party who's willing to make the biggest sacrifice. Who? Welcome home, my son. Hello, Papa. <laughs> oh, now I'm happy. Rosa. 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 You call me Papa. <laughs> Come here, Rosa. Say hello to Luigi. <laughs> hello, Luigi. Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Bless you, my children, and I'm a hope you live together happily ever after. Papa, does this mean we're already married? Oh, shut up your face. <laughs> uh, hello, is Mr. Basco here? 
here. I'm Luigi Basco. Uh, Mr. Basco, I'm from the phone company. We've investigated that California call, and we find it was made to the Hollywood Matrimonial Agency. Hollywood, the matrimonial agency? It's all right. I'm going to pay. Everything's going to be settled and I should acquire. Uh, we investigated this phone call, Mr. Basco, and it seems the conversation was about getting a husband for a certain Rosa. Is she getting the past to my bedtime? Good night, everybody. But, Papa, you never go to sleep before two. Shut up, you face. Come with me. No, it was you, Pasquale. You use my phone for your call to California. Uh, Mr. Basco, it may interest you to know anyone who uses your phone without your permission is liable to a lawsuit. Pasquale. <laughs> yes, my son. Happy as the corpus, Papa. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello, Mamma Mia. This is your son, Luigi. Talking to you on the telephone. Huh? No, no, it's, it's not a dream, Mamma. It's really true. Is your son? Yeah, yeah, you're a boy, Luigi. You don't hear my voice in more than a year. What the? What? Go ahead, Mamma. I don't care what it cost. Go ahead. Go ahead and cry. Sure, cry. I'm think I'm cry too. How is your uncle Pietro? Oh, good, good. And he's a goat. <laughs> oh, he's a goat. He's got married. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh -huh. Sure. When is Uncle Pietro gonna get married? What? Oh, he's going to wait and see how it's going to turn out with his ghost. <laughs> no, no. Don't worry about the cost of this call, Mama. Don't worry. How's Aunt Francesca? Good? Good. And a cousin of Salvador. Oh, that's a fine, Mama. Uh, Mama, are you sure you feel good? Oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. What the? Huh? I don't understand. You no get the marshmallows? Where do you hear about the marshmallows? Oh, you read all about the marshmallow plan. <laughs> but, but the, Mama, Mama Mia, is there somebody here want to talk to you? Now, wait a minute. Pasquale, go ahead, Pasquale. Hello, Mama Mia, goodbye. <laughs> what? Why is the Pasquale get off of the phone so fast? I'll tell you why, Mamma Mia. Because he's a painter for this phone call. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Suspense, followed by Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.